Hello there. Welcome to the latest episode of the Frameworks and Flywheels podcast with Chaitanya and Achyut. In this episode, we discuss the recent mega acquisition of Slack by Salesforce. We discuss the strategic significance of the acquisition for both the companies. We also try to evaluate the impact of different philosophies of software development and go-to-market for enterprise. With Salesforce being the master in selling to enterprise and Slack pioneering product-driven and bottom-up SaaS go-to-market. Consumerization of enterprise software is one of the hottest fields right now and we are excited to observe what's next. Happy listening. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Frameworks and Flywheel pod- Flywheels podcast. This is Achyut. And this is Chaitanya. So hi Chaitanya. How are you? I'm good Achyut. How have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm doing good Chaitanya. Thank you. Yes, it has been uh, like like almost two months now since we recorded the last last episode. And yeah, uh, I think yeah. we did our one year anniversary. And <laughs> so we took a, we took a hiatus after that. Took so a, now we're back refreshed, I think. Right, right. And the re- and motivated again. So hopefully, yes, that is that is true. And and a lot of lot has happened over the past couple of months. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, over the past uh, few weeks also, a lot of good activity, at least on the tech side of things. Um, has taken place uh, a few a spate of IPOs and a spate of high-profile IPOs, so as to speak, uh, and uh, some mergers and acquisitions that have happened over the past past few weeks. So yeah, the activity seems uh, from a financing perspective, the activity seems uh, uh, pick up, and uh, yeah, this is this is good news for uh, uh, for everybody, and and obviously the vaccines coming out, so uh, the future looks uh, looks bright, so as to speak. So, I mean, I did not think I'll live to see the day that I, uh, Airbnb finally IPOs because and at, uh, let's say, eye-watering market capitalization right now, I think they're doing some 80 million In the same plus. year that their valuation got halved and then they took like a billion dollars in debt and then had, and then, you know, uh, debuted at like twice or thrice their earlier value, like pre-COVID valuation. It's just mad, right? Like, right, right. It's hard to imagine as in they were writing, I think they dropped that note uh, sometime in April. Uh, April or March or April this year when they when they laid off a lot of people and then they had to write that yeah. particular long note which got shared. Yeah. Obviously, uh, yeah. a very fine note that was written. Um, but uh, it's hard to imagine that this is the same year. I think just uh, separated by eight to nine months. Uh, in which we have seen them uh, uh, they lay off a lot of people and uh, now they are going at uh, what 80 billion plus this is more than uh, like more than a lot of companies combined uh, yeah so and, is... and, and at that point they're taking debt at like i think an 18 billion dollar valuation right so it's like imagine they're 5x that in the same in a nine month period right it's just ridiculous like <laughs> in a non covid scenario debuting at that price would have been absurd right uh, now i think you know, even more so. Which kind of makes the point against um, um, IPO listing, uh, which essentially a lot of a lot of people, at least in Silicon Valley, do criticize uh, IPOs and uh, obviously the underwriters uh, getting a getting a fantastic deal out of it, right? Because uh, I think Airbnb at the time of the listing they were valued at something like forty billion or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so basically the the share for the underwriter or the banks or the investment banks that would have. Uh, purchased it at a 47 billion valuation or a market cap, uh, would, they would have doubled their investment just within a day, right? Which, which is fantastic from a financial engineering perspective. But, uh, but, but yeah, the debate uh, rages on, and uh, a lot of uh, SPAC activities also going on with, with obviously Chamak leading the way. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, we haven't spoken about any other SPACs. But you you think that our, our topic for today is about Airbnb, but it's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, yeah. But, something else, which is also recent and right. notable. Uh, so, uh, Achut, like, uh, let's get into it. Like, uh, you're discussing about the Salesforce acquisition of Slack, and um, and we're big fans on this podcast of the consumer consumerization of the enterprise, and you know, we, right. we bring up Slack every, every couple of episodes, and you know. Uh, so this is this is frankly like for me it was a bit of a shock I guess uh, what was it like for you? Um, so uh, it it was uh, unexpected as in there were rumors with uh, with Salesforce uh, over some time uh, and obviously they they were they weren't doing that well uh, compared to all the peers uh, at least in the space as in Slack wasn't doing 
uh, that great in terms of sales. So there were there were uh, repeated talks of uh, exit to um, um, uh, Salesforce. I even heard a rumor about Zoom trying to make a move for Slack, which would have been very very uh, quite interesting. But uh, but yeah, it it was it was uh, strange. Uh, I think. Uh, in the hindsight, obviously, it looks uh, reasonable com- considering the track record that as uh, as, as Salesforce has. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was quite surprising. But uh, but you mentioned that it was uh, it was at least shocking for you, right? So uh, do you want to elaborate on that? No, I think uh, that, that that's more from a less from a practical or a business or strategic standpoint, more from a um, slightly personal, more romantic notion of. So I mean, Slack is famously. When Microsoft was started to enter this market, they put out that you know front page ad on the NYT saying that you know you have to make this with love and passion, and you can't just do your Microsofty things of just copying cloning features. And right. uh, there's also that famous article that we really like, right? Both of us, both you and I have discussed before um, uh, about leather saddles, right? There's a it's an internal post by Stuart Butterfield back when right. he started Slack. Right. He talks a lot, very passionately about you know high quality, thoughtful work and things like that. Right? So. Slack comes from that kind of culture and the, the product reflects that. Maybe now it doesn't, now it's a little cluttered, but you know, when you first use Slack, you really are uh, surprised. Or at least I, I was definitely like surprised and amazed at how, how fluid and how nice it is to use. Right. Like, and, right. Like, up until I'd use Slack, I thought, yeah, it's probably like WhatsApp for work. And, and a user was like, wow, this is a whole other level. So, 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 so when they, they come from that school of thought, no, where uh, they talk so much about product, uh, passion and quality and craft and all of that. And, they're selling to a company that is explicitly known for the opposite. Right? They're like, okay, all we do, all this come. This, Salesforce, Salesforce is a company known for a for uh, for selling like crazy. I mean, uh, uh, for you know, lack of I mean, pun not intended, but right. and also for making acquisitions. That's basically it, right? They they grow by making acquisitions, and and they have this massive uh, roster of clients, and they they constantly uh, sell, 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 right? And they're, they're from that. Uh, even the founders of Oracle and, you know, they come from that culture, right? Right. So right. very typical, you know, corporate IT sort of this thing, right? Where they sell to CIOs and VPs of, VP of um, sales and that sort of thing. So it, it's, it, it felt like an antithesis to me, right? And, and for many of these, um, you know, tech romantics, it felt a little bit of a letdown, I think. I don't know. Uh, people are looking from a much larger perspective, obviously. And, and you know, COVID has changed things. Right? The market has become much larger also. So I guess this decision had to be taken quickly, but uh, for people who, you know, even now I know people who share around that, that uh, leather saddles article, uh, you know, saying that this is how we should build product and stuff like that. So when you see them like selling out, selling, I shouldn't say selling out, but when you see them selling to Salesforce, <laughs> it's almost like a letdown, like uh, you're going to a company that does not appreciate uh, that sort of thing. right? But, but yeah, I mean, business wise, it's a, it's a whole other thing. We'll discuss, we'll discuss in a bit. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So just just for people who, uh, I mean, we don't expect that to happen. But let's say if if you kind of missed the news over the past few weeks, uh, so Slack, uh, Salesforce.com has uh, made a move to acquire Slack for approximately twenty seven point seven billion dollars, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's expected to get completed. As in the legalities are expected to get completed by mid of next year. Uh, when Slack will be uh, integrated. And the stated objective is that uh, Slack provides, uh, let's say, an interface, uh, a new interface uh, for the knowledge worker uh, or the knowledge remote worker post-COVID. And um, it will be integrated as a solution across the whole suit that Salesforce offers. And as as obviously Chaitanya was pointing out, uh, it's essentially um, um, the a wide variety of software that they have uh, kind of acquired over the past uh, couple of decades. Uh, they have they have kind of ex- existed as a as a solution, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think I think the number is uh, approximately sixty acquisitions so far uh, in twenty one yeah. years, uh, which is yeah. phenomenal. As in phenomenal from a company building perspective and phenomenal from an integration perspective. As in all all that talk about integrating different cultures coming in from uh, your slacks of the world and quips of the world and tableaus of the world and so on. But still, yeah. uh, they have this whole uh, DNA of selling to uh, organizations. And that's that's the one thing that they know. And possibly that's the only thing that they know, um, which is which is fantastic. And, and that's basically the name. That's basically the category that they work in. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that's their uh, core strength. Uh, so as to speak, and, and kudos for them to do that, as in uh, generating so much amount of revenues as, as Salesforce.com. 
right mm. uh, but but yeah uh, so coming to the slack uh, example or the slack point that you made um, um, very interesting i think from a business perspective obviously there was a lot of competition and uh, uh, i think stuart butterfield who's the founder uh, founder ceo at slack uh, mm-hmm. tries to keep tries to dis- um, as in he, he tries to dis, uh, maintain a distance between let's say your uh, uh, microsoft teams and slack uh, doesn't really want it to be a comparison between the two software but um, uh, there was uh, as in a lot of news articles over the years since since covid stuck and a lot of uh, uh, people went remote and a lot of teams started working remotely uh, that there's a direct competition between the microsoft solution which is teams uh, and slack right uh, and what we are seeing is that teams was kind of beating my uh, slack uh, in this whole game of selling to enterprise right which is something that mm-hmm. uh, possibly microsoft is the only company that does it better than salesforce.com but um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah so uh, in in order to um, and and uh, i think the numbers speak for themselves right now microsoft claims to have approximately 115 million odd users or daily active users uh, Slack uh, stopped disclosing those numbers since last year, but approximately the, the estimation is around 20 million odd users uh, that would be using Slack on a on a daily basis, right? Yeah, uh, now they go for a lot more for those vanity metrics. Right? They they talk about I think they talk about use. I think they they have use yeah, metrics, usage right? usage yeah. metrics or clicks and features yeah. and functionalities and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as in it's yeah. an interesting point that you made right? that. Um, that they're trying to distance themselves by, by they start disclosing it once that people get comparing that number and say that Microsoft is about to cross you. And, and, and around that point, they stop disclosing those numbers. So they, they, they have been, I mean, they can't disclose, they really distance themselves because it's the same category. Right. But right. They, they have been trying to distance themselves as in, you know, not trying to uh, provide that um, apples to apples comparison between the two, especially after it became a public company. Right. So I don't think they want to be, uh, you know, seen as, okay, look, we're that much smaller than teams because Obviously, Microsoft is also doing the opposite, where they're probably inflating the number massively. Uh, because I think we've discussed this before in an earlier episode around how, you know, basically just uh, Microsoft basically bundles teams with everything and they open right. it for uh, every small thing. And you know, so, so that, that number itself is also probably inflated on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just to put in there. Go ahead. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so, basically, uh, I, I think... Uh, uh, with this whole Slack example, obviously them being a phenomenal product as well as a category creator, uh, so as to speak from an enterprise, uh, uh, let's say uh, bottom up or bottoms up kind of a solution or bottoms up kind of a sales strategy or go to market strategy that they have adopted uh, in trying to sell to uh, enterprise and so on. Uh, but eventually what the, the big, uh, the key insight that comes out of it is that after a point of time, your distribution matters more than your product uh, in terms of uh, essentially Microsoft just leveraged the massive distribution reach and uh, millions and millions of uh, users who use uh, the Office 365 suit on a daily basis. Uh, uh, and just enable teams as a solution for them and making them making teams as a standard solution and in some cases giving it out for free uh, and uh, slack famously uh, appealed against uh, this particular practice with the european uh, uh, antitrust uh, commission as well uh, yeah. that uh, this this particular policy or this particular strategy of just enabling teams to all the uh, quote unquote information workers uh, is an antitrust uh, violation so, yeah, uh, right. um, but 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 the whole idea is that Microsoft has kind of, uh, if you're talking about Salesforce doing sales for a living, Microsoft essentially has been selling to the information worker throughout its existence, and possibly yeah, the yeah. best company that does that, be it from cloud solutions, yeah. be it from PowerPoint presentations and whatnot, right? The entire office suit uh, that you provide, uh, and for them to enable Teams, which was a fantastic strategy, as in if you were sitting in Microsoft, you would be actually very very pleased with yourself right uh in the manner in which you kind of killed a competitor and that competitor was kind of uh, uh making a lot of noise in your face uh you remember yeah. there was there was this uh, uh article that uh slack i think published when teams was launched that welcome to this uh, it was a full page ad on the full page ad or something like that yes exactly yeah. <laughs> so 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 i i can imagine a lot of people in uh in, in seattle being very very happy about uh, what has uh, 
uh, transpired over the over the over the years and and it has kind of underlined the strategy which a lot of people do realize that exists uh, is that um, distribution does does matter right uh, at the end of the day the stronger your distribution uh, it it will kill uh, if, even with an inferior product you will kill a superior product just just like what they did with uh, some sort of uh, what they did against uh, slack right and and actually so so there's one point i'd like to bring up here that uh, this is again like uh, i am not really going into the numbers and i am not quali- qualified to do that but uh, people see it as a you know as a letdown saying that you know slack was supposed to be much bigger than this and stuff like that firstly let's be honest like a 30 billion uh, acquisition is great right it's a great outcome for india but people see it as right? because they they think it could have been a decacorn or whatever right? it could have been a 100 mil- billion dollar plus uh company it 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 stopped short at, at 30 billion the, but right. but it, it it's also the other thing to remember is that um as you said that slack's growth sort of slowed over the say last couple of years uh after teams launched right uh, but one thing worth remembering is that no, I, i don't think it's that they were doing badly as much as that because of covid there's a lot of upside right the company is going remote and everything right and then they weren't able to capture enough of that so it's i think it's more of I don't think that they were struggling per se it's more that uh, there is a massive expansion of the market happening right now or has happened in the last 8 uh, 9 months and um, they probably realized you know I I think it became apparent at the, at the start of the pandemic I guess it wasn't uh, you know it's hard to judge but I think as the months went in it became apparent how much of the market share they were going they were getting right like um similar to what happened with Zoom as well right like uh, right. how well they were doing versus uh, So, so I guess it became apparent to them, you know, what uh, that a there is a massive market expansion happening, and b, you know, how much of that are we actually capture, you know, in a position to capture right now? Right. And, and right. I think that's probably that probably was the real trigger, right? Because I don't think they were personally doing badly, and if if this COVID thing didn't happen, they probably wouldn't have sold. I mean, I mean, I, my guess would have been that they would have tried a little longer. Right. Uh, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I I do think that that must have been the trigger that it became very clear that okay, look, the market is now three or four times what we thought it would be, or it, it it's become that much faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but are are the rate at which we're capturing it also hasn't grown at the same rate. So uh, so so I guess that that I think would have been like the primary trigger that you know it, because this is an unusual year, right? And and for a company that for a category that's this hot, right? Right. Um, you 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 wouldn't think that. Um, they'd make you know they they somebody would choose to get acquired right? like like if tomorrow we see unless of course that they know that trading are premiums like so i mean zoom see zoom is like absurdly valued right now so i mean if zoom sold uh, right now maybe i don't know people would be surprised but also uh, it might be a big win for them but maybe they maybe they don't need to but right, right. that's my point that you know um, this is this is in, in a year when remote work has become so hot and uh, slack is would be like at you know at the center of it if they chose to sell it it must have been because they they saw that you know they're missing out on something uh, by not doing so right and uh, so so uh, uh, fantastic points uh, here and uh, see see from a from a slack perspective i don't don't even see that as a problem uh, apart from the fact that they have um, kind of uh, lost uh, some sort of autonomy on their product and and their roadmap and things like that right because they don't exist as a as an organization they've been Uh, consumed by by salesforce right uh, but in terms of slack as a product reaching to more people uh, i think uh, getting merged into the whole salesforce suit uh, would help them right because uh, the the amount of i think one company that can compete with microsoft in terms of selling to enterprises uh, or yeah, selling yeah. to any any business basically uh, is yeah, is yeah. salesforce right uh, yeah, and they have done that in the past with a lot of acquisitions uh, some uh, better than the others but uh, mm-hmm. they they do have the that that level of sales muscle to deploy slack to uh, millions and millions of users right uh, yeah, significantly yeah. more uh, than the number of users that they have uh, uh, that they have uh, acquired uh, till date right uh, and that's one big criticism i think uh, david sacks from the uh, the yammer uh, fame uh, mm-hmm. essentially talks about this uh, in a, in a twitter thread as well right because uh, what one criticism of slack uh, and uh, being very uh, let's say high headed about uh, all this uh, 
uh, let's say sales being bad and product being the only thing that you should do as an organization, mm-hmm. that kind of a strategy mm-hmm. actually hurt them because uh, uh, after a point of time, once they started selling to enterprise, the idea was to uh, scale up their sales force because uh, this bottom up mm-hmm. approach works and worked for Slack uh, spectacularly. But after a point of time, you need that enterprise level of connect and you need that enterprise level engagement uh, in order to sell to these enterprises because uh, expecting uh, teams uh, who are using your product to go to a CIO and uh, get that buy-in across the organization, getting teams or getting Slack, uh, getting your solution deployed across the organization is something of a, a, it it requires a huge uh, leap of faith so as to speak, right? Uh, right. And again, uh, it, it doesn't make practical sense as well. I think the easier job that Slack could have done uh, would have uh, just uh, scaled up their sales force by acquiring a lot of people from outside. And there are a lot of people who have done this in the past um, mm-hmm. and uh, gotten into this whole uh, top-down kind of a sales strategy rather than just keep doing this bottom-up, which works for an uh, insurgent emerging organization but after a point of time you have to let it go and you have to get into that whole sales follow process uh, which is where right. you uh, you extract most value and you extract the uh, those larger deal sizes and your larger customers and so on right, right. Uh, right. which is which is some which is a lot of people claim that this is one major criticism of uh, uh, of the whole slack model and where it kind of broke down in terms of the growth trajectory Right. But, but actually that, that's the thing, right? Maybe it's also like a culture difference, right? And, and that, you know, even Stuart Butterfield, who famously also founded Flickr before that. And, right. Uh, and even his, co- his co-founder is basically the tech guy, right? And, and this guy right. also is a, is a coder. I mean, he's, a, he's primarily a developer, right? So um, he's, he's definitely not the person coming from an enterprise sales background, uh, you know? Right? And I think the success of Slack also must have been unexpected. There was unexpected in, in, in many ways at that right. point when they started it. So... <clears throat> So my point is that even though they, they, you know, I think they were transitioning towards becoming much more um, uh, sales heavy. Right. Uh, I don't, I think, I think because of their fundamental nature of being, you know, uh, a tech focused and product focused company, uh, it would never be like sales wouldn't be in their DNA. Right? I, I don't know. Like, I, I think you'll have to do some digging into their uh, recruitment in the last year and see how much they, uh, I mean, the marketing expenses did become, did, increase, did balloon over the last couple of years. So, right. but I think you have to do some more digging into that, but. I think you'll find that um, that that sort of fit, right? And and um, the, the the culture is quite top down, right? So if you're mm-hmm. if you're this team of if you started out as this team of developers who are really focused on building a cool product and uh, for dev, for other developers, then I think right. I mean they started out as, as game developers, right? They're famously, so they're really not your typical enterprise. Um, Know, IT guys, right? Who 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 saw a large cloud opportunity and went after it. Right. Be the opposite of that, right? So, so even culturally, even if they tried doing that, I think you know it, they wouldn't have succeeded at assimilating a large sales force and you know getting that that other hunger in because none of them are from that background. So, and you know they probably also come from a school of thought where they, where they don't um, you know value that as much as you said, right? That sales is bad and stuff. So, right. so obviously intellectually you're moving towards in that direction that okay we need. We need to improve sales, improve sales, but um, fundamentally at your core, you're not from that school of thought. So, so maybe it's, this is a good turnout that way that, you know, culturally, um, then maybe they're not attuned to that, mm-hmm. but by, you know, moving to Salesforce, they'll, they'll get somebody else to handle that and not to be, and then, then it becomes a different problem of integrating the two approaches, right? Uh, which is fine. It's still better than, you know, getting beat up in the market. So, uh, for lack of a better phrase, you know. So, right. so yeah, that's the thing. Um, there's yeah, one other counterpoint, or like, yeah, okay, right. Uh, as just, just to, uh, just to, uh, let's say, kind of counter on the point that you just made. Uh, it, yeah. it actually depends on the approach, right? So, at the end of the day, there's no, uh, there's no one right way to do things, right? And it, it, it sounds, uh, uh, let's say, um, I'm, I'm can't find a word for that but um, let's say keeping um, it, it sounds sort of snobbish or arrogant to say that yeah, this yeah. is one good way to do things this is something which is not uh, 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 as in uh, we will be a product focus organization so we so we will not focus on sales and so on right mm-hmm. yeah, uh, this yeah, yeah. kind of sounds very arrogant 
uh, and possibly not in the best interest of the organization as a whole, right? Because at the end of the day, your, your true purpose is to run that organization, right? Uh, and make it successful because uh, mm. nobody uh, kind of cares uh, if you're not a successful organization, but you, you came up with a fantastic product at the end of the day, right? Um, so just, just a counterpoint as in organizations do evolve or need to evolve uh, or rather should evolve uh, uh, to a point where they are able to marry their culture, uh, whatever uh, core strengths that they're bringing in Slack's case is obviously their, their product, uh, the strength of their product as well as the strength of their vision, so as to speak. Yeah. But uh, uh, unless that vision is translated with or married with the practical realities that are out there in the market, uh, you run at a risk of uh, somebody else controlling your destiny, which is what will happen kind of with, with Slack, right? Uh, in terms of the autonomy, in terms of the kind of products that they would like to develop, um, it sounds very uh, rosy, at least on the investor presentations and the, and the press releases and so on. But after a point of time, obviously Salesforce would like to uh, productize it, slow down the product development and just scale up and just push the pedal on the... Uh, on the entire sales kind of a thing to generate that revenue to justify the 27 billion that they have spent on on slack right so so there's actually but but there's, i'm glad you brought this up right so but there's something that uh, i think in all these arguments right like is it a good company is it a bad company we we, we tend to not quantify these things right like um like i think we've discussed this example before that you know we, we always talk about say we work in terms of oh, this is a crappy company or a great company let's yeah. leave aside the adam newman the fraud and all of that part like uh, there's a lot of Fudging in, in, involved, but um, but but the the point is that it's 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 a bad investment at forty seven billion. It might have been a good investment at five billion. So I'm saying similarly, this approach maybe works really well. That if you want to remain a hundred million uh, dollar revenue company, and, and and this matters more to you that you want to remain remain a product focused, tech focused company, and you're fine with uh, sacrificing that upside, right. uh, then it's fine, right? So is this that Slack came in a time where the, the opportunity was much larger, right? Right. So to pursue that larger opportunity, then they need this. But it's not that. Uh, but if they if they chose otherwise, they could have. I mean, you you'd still be a success at 100 or 200 billion, 200 million uh, revenue, right? That translates yeah. to a probably yeah. value of around five billion or whatever. Right. right? So <clears throat> so so my point is that um, it it also comes down to like quantifying that opportunity, and and you you should know what you're you're okay with, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we keep bringing up the example of Atlassian, right? Which which claims that they have no Salesforce. I, I mean, I guess they do it. Other, I mean, they probably have some teams looking into customer success and all of yep, that. But yep. uh, but but again, that's a commitment to a certain philosophy of uh, thing, right? And and maybe one could argue that if Atlassian went the route of hiring a large Salesforce, they could be a larger company, right? Uh, they're nearly twenty years old and they do I think two billion in sales or something, right? Which is which is a great success. I mean, by all me- all measures. Right. But one might argue that you know maybe. Uh, in this whole cloud uh, migration, they could have become even larger. Who knows? Uh, if they if they went aggressive and you know sort of like uh, uh, took a Salesforce approach to it. Right. But but that's what. But but one needs to quantify these opportunities and 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 uh, um, focus on or you know uh, be clear about what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the real um, um, issue, right? Like imagine if you're uh, as we just discussed that you're, you're a very product focused company and, and you're trying to make that sales transition, but you don't really believe in it. You're like, no, this is crap. Mm-hmm. Right. So then right. you, you're, you're bound to be stuck in the middle and, you know, on, and miss out on both sides. So, 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 so I think, I do think it's important to quantify these things and um, uh, often, okay, it's not possible to quantify, but even uh, you know, some level of uh, quantification, you can't really market size can be vague and stuff like that. And, and 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 then and then being okay is the hard part. Right? Suppose, uh, see, people like you and me are now going uh, like uh, saying that you know maybe Atlassian could have been a bigger company. So there'll always be people who'll say that if you choose a uh, a different path. Um, so that is there. So actually, there's an earlier counterpoint which I wanted to bring, which fits in exactly with what what we're talking about right now, right. which I, which is the most interesting point I've seen till now. Okay, frankly, mm-hmm. in this yeah. entire discussion. Uh, this is from MG Siegler, who works at uh, Google yeah. and GV. Yeah, yeah. So, so he says that um, that I, I, that I, that he uh, still fundamentally believes that uh, this, you know, the better product will win will happen. It, uh, maybe it hasn't happened right now. We saw like a glimpse of that, mm-hmm. but it didn't go all the way. Right, Slack was a success, but it didn't quite become the market leader or whatever. Like it hasn't been the the 
total success, right? It yeah. didn't dominate. Right. But he's like, in the next generation of cloud company, enterprise companies, we will see that because he genuinely believes it. And, and he gives an interesting example for that, right? So, like, so Apple and Microsoft started at the same time. And the first uh, two, two and a half decades were clearly uh, Microsoft's, right? right? Apple obviously innovated a lot of things, but financially, Microsoft was always the one ahead, right? Yes. And, and but, but say 30, 40, 40 years down the line, Apple became a trillion dollar company as well. I mean, so did Microsoft in the same year. Right. But, um, but, but Apple did it without, you know, moving from their core philosophy, right? They, they stuck to that idea of we'll make minimalist and focused products and a limited number of them right. uh, using this philosophy of um, absolute uh, product excellence, right? right? And Microsoft went with their whole thing of a computer on every desk and, you know, just, just ubiquity, basically. Right, right. Um, and, and, and Apple won, right? Like, by, I mean, by every metric, Apple, like, of every metric of profitability and cultural impact, but but economic profitability, it's, it's by far uh, been very successful. Right? So his point was something similar will happen in the enterprise where eventually we'll, we'll see that happen. Slack was like a glimpse of it, right. but the next generation, you will see one company that actually cracks it along these lines of it is the best product and it, it won, not like, you know, consolation price. Um, okay, so I, I, it, it's strange that it's coming from uh, from MGC Club because I, I would assume that Google is that is that one company that has actually won, right? At least search and, and things like that. No, no, but in, in the enterprise, he's referring to the enterprise. Okay, from an enterprise point of view. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So because again, the, the, the whole argument is that in the enterprise, the Salesforce and distribution and all of that, right? So, so he's like, no, we will see that that um, uh, large outcome. I mean, you already saw a large outcome, but that actual, the, the eventual winner of the best product winning and not this distribution, this argument will, uh, you know, will be defeated in the next round or whatever, which, right. which I thought was a really interesting point. And the comparison with Apple was quite, um, which is very interesting because you, you, you kind of assume that Slack was doing that. And again, uh, as in we have been very negative about Slack over the past 30 minutes or so, but it's, it's a phenomenal outcome for an organization that's just 10 years old and, uh, Getting an exit. Not yet. Uh, seven years old, right? <laughs> seven years. Yeah. yeah, seven years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, getting an exit of or getting valued at twenty-seven billion, uh, it's a phenomenal outcome, right? Uh, yeah. But the the challenge there is, um, will you survive against all the gorillas that are working uh, working with you, right? So in an ecosystem where you have a trillion-dollar organization that is Microsoft. Uh, and a salesforce.com that wants to become a trillion dollar organization uh, mm-hmm. through all sorts of acquisitions. So any new shiny, new uh, way of doing business, once that organization becomes successful, there will be a tremendous pressure that will be coming in from these organizations, right? Because all of them are extremely cash rich. So Salesforce is possibly doing the best that it has ever done in its history. So is Microsoft, right? Uh, and so is yeah. so are other players like and we are just not talking about companies like Amazon, companies like uh, uh, Apple and Google and so on. So all sorts of consolidation that has already started happening. Uh, it's a matter of time when that new organization that we keep talking about with this fantastic mm-hmm. product and this whole uh, this perfect product uh, gets absorbed into uh, one of these organizations. So how do you survive against these uh, is again a tremendous challenge because uh, it's surprising that. Amazon is not interested into Slack uh, because uh, as, as in the biggest winner that we're not even talking about is essentially AWS, uh, which essentially works with both Salesforce as well as, uh, as Slack, right? So, um, oh, okay. uh, which is, which is as in the, the largest cloud provider that nobody talks about, right? Uh, which is, which is the website. Now they're talking about it, but, but. Now they're obviously talking about it, but yeah, as in everybody kind of ignores them uh, when, when they start talking about SaaS products and, and products and so on technology. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's essentially what um, uh, we're talking about these large giants uh, who are there, uh, extremely cash rich, extremely profitable, consolidating their powers, consolidating their, uh, the market share in whichever vertical that they are, they're closing them and uh, just acquiring these new companies like Slack and so on. So I do expect a lot of acquisitions to happen. Uh, and possibly what we can hope is through this particular acquisition and, and let's say all the subsequent ones that will happen uh, is that um, with the distribution reach that the Salesforce provides uh, uh, and a product such as Slack, 
uh, obviously we should see a lot of innovation happening in the same category, which obviously Slack created. Microsoft seems to be winning in that category right now, but uh, just because of this whole Salesforce uh, or sales muscle that Salesforce brings in, um, uh, I, I think uh, there will be a lot of innovation that will come in from Microsoft and from uh, uh, Salesforce plus Slack or whatever mm -hmm. the future of work the, that, that they're calling it. Right. But uh, it will be more consolidated in that sense though. I mean, which will be consolidated with these large players. Uh, we're just not sure uh, how would you break this particular monopoly, right? Uh, correct. Obviously, I think yeah. looks like antitrust will probably be the only way, right? Because um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Which yeah. has kind of not evolved, right? So as you, as in, so it's yeah. a whole new discussion, but uh, antitrust yeah. hasn't kind of evolved from a tech perspective because uh, the more Amazon consolidates or the more the more Microsoft consolidates, it's actually better for the individual user. It's not better for the ecosystem maybe, but it's actually better for the uh, individual user, which is like very different from the traditional antitrust, uh, anti-competitive behavior that happens. So you'll never see price being, uh, or Amazon Prime prices increasing in the future, in the near future. What we can expect is that they will reduce, uh, which will hurt every other company except Amazon. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the big uh, antitrust challenge that everybody's trying to face. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, like, and that's interesting you mentioned that. So that's what, how does that translate in enterprise cases? Because now we see con consolidation in every sector. So, I mean, in every subsector in tech. Right. Um, so, they're, they're, I mean, I, I think people are talking about it. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, and, and, and as usual, uh, I, I think the EU keeps trying to do things. We'll see what happens with that as well. Like, like even this current, what you just mentioned earlier about Slack's complaint in the EU. Right. Uh, Actually, Salesforce also made a complaint against uh, uh, against uh, Microsoft and LinkedIn. I think the acquisition. Uh, so yeah. So at least there's one area which is common or one culture fit that is there between Salesforce and Slack is that both have sued, put uh, put a, a complaint against Microsoft with the Euro, uh, with the European Union uh, Antitrust Commission. <laughs> so that's that's one that's one thing that's common for both of them. That's a good point. I didn't know about that. There was a, there was this fight between I think there was a, this fight between Amazon eh, between uh, Microsoft and Salesforce uh, when they were trying to acquire. I think Salesforce was interested in uh, acquiring uh, uh, LinkedIn. It kind of it, it feels like it's oh, a better right, fit for LinkedIn right. uh, with with Salesforce. Right. Just like uh, as an in, intuitively, I would I would feel that it's a better fit for a wide horizontal solution to be acquired by Microsoft like like slack um and a linkedin which is a deep vertical kind of a solution which is uh, which fits in very well with uh, the front end side of things which is uh, which is what uh, salesforce is much better at hmm. but i mean but then linkedin is also very much an end consumer product um i mean not exactly but yeah as in okay, yeah it's a separate discussion i think it's a separate, it's a, it's a separate discussion yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll have to think about that. Okay, that's that's uh, that's for another day. But I think this has been a good discussion. Actually, uh, there's lots to. I think we un we uncovered some points that we hadn't thought about at the start of the discussion. We, right. It seemed like a fairly open question because everyone was fairly a little a little bit disappointed and a little bit like, okay, you know, this is what was going to happen in the times. But I think there are a couple of interesting points that we touched, which right. we did not see. Uh, so before we close, Achut, what are you reading? What are you consuming? Anything you recommend? Watching? Uh, yeah, so uh, there's one one recommendation um, that I have. It's uh, it's a podcast on uh, on uh, the Knowledge Project, which is uh, uh, Shane Parrish. Shane Parrish. And uh, this particular individual is uh, uh, someone called Roger Martin, who used to be a dean at the Rotman School of uh, of Management. Uh, yeah. And he brings in a very interesting perspective. I think, uh, again, it's part of his new book that has come out. But uh, the perspective that he has been uh, researching and talking about over the past few decades has been on a uh, uh, couple of things. Again, uh, uh, the main topic being what he calls integrative reasoning, uh, which is uh, a challenge against this whole notion uh, of MBA education being divided into different silos. Right, so a finance problem is 
uh, not necessarily just a finance problem, but it's kind of a marketing problem as well as a sales problem. So you kind of need that whole integrated view. Uh, what MBAs are trying to do uh, or, or MBA education is trying to do is essentially break down people into different silos. So you are specialized in marketing, you're specialized in finance and so on. Uh, and then if it's a PNL kind of a problem, which goes to the finance person and uh, the whole uh, solution comes very half baked. Right. So it's not a holistic solution that would uh, that would be required. Uh, so he yeah. just uh, makes a point against uh, how MBA uh, learning or MBA uh, pedagogy needs to adapt, um, which is also a part of the discussion, which is which is something that uh, I guess both of us would uh, agree uh, that there's, there's there's something that is uh, that needs to be improved. But uh, yeah, and, and he gives some very interesting examples in terms of the whole pedagogy or the whole Harvard case study approach that, that almost every, uh, uh, every B school tries to follow, uh, which is essentially to break down a particular problem uh, with a case, uh, but that particular case is essentially already siloed down to that particular topic that has been taught. So uh, everybody beforehand knows that you need to apply a particular principle, a particular model, a particular finance tool there uh, and get to the solution. Uh, but in reality, that is not the case. Uh, in reality, the problems are far more complex and uh, the, uh, the B-School education or the business guys uh, who come out of uh, such education are not really prepared to handle those complex multidisciplinary problems. Uh, and Hence, they are considered bozos, and hence uh, your uh, <laughs> uh, all, all sorts of comics uh, and, and memes that, that come out of it. <laughs> so, so that's that's uh, that's basically his assessment, and very interesting kind of a discussion. Obviously, uh, Shane Parrish is a fantastic host, so yeah, that's that's always a great discussion. Nice. I I, I mean to check this out. Uh, what about you? I, I also did not know that that this is also this is the same guy that wrote the eighty twenty principle. So that's the most famous book by him that I think most of us would know. Oh, so that's a different, I think, oh, so this was a discussion that we were having before the, before recording this episode. So that's that's Richard Koch, Koch, Kosh. Oh, uh, okay, okay, right. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, this, this particular individual is Roger Martin, who used to be a dean. Right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as in, it's fantastic that oh, you okay. pointed that out. Uh, there's this other podcast uh, on Tim Ferriss. Uh, with Tim Ferriss, uh, which is with an individual called Richard Koch uh, with, mm. of the 80-20 principle fame. And uh, it's a fantastic uh, podcast, very interesting. Uh, as in, I went out on a walk for a couple of hours and actually listened to that podcast. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant uh, listen. So uh, if somebody wants to check out and kind of has to us or you have to ask to spare, you can obviously check that out. Right. Nice. Okay, I think both of these are worth checking out. I'm, I'm particularly interested in the first one. I think the ground it covers is quite something that we've discussed many times over. So, right. Uh, I'd like to know. But what about you? Is obviously much more qualified. Uh, I I'm not sure if I. I so I'm, I'm going to recommend something. Um, not that I'm reading right now, but it's something I've read in the past because uh, recently, there's the unfor- we read about the unfortunate demise of Tony Shea, for example. Right. Right. And uh, he wrote this book called Delivering Happiness, which I'd highly recommend. Mm-hmm. It's a really different take on you know just management and people and uh, running companies and life in general. Right. And uh, that influenced me a lot when I read it nearly eight or ten years ago, I think. Right. And uh, and I actually I was actually quite influenced by Zappos. Most I think because of the counter intuitive nature of the thinking. Right. Like in B school, I, I, I uh, for a for an HR project, I also did something. Uh, Zappos in the middle adopted this flat structure called holacracy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a project on that. I mean, I was because I, I was really pumped about it, and I was like, "Why aren't more people interested in this?" And right. It was met with us like a flat response, like, "Yeah, whatever." But it was really like revolutionary, right? Okay. And uh, I remember at that point we even spoke to somebody from Zappos. They actually had a helpline for people who wanted to know more about this, uh, which was quite interesting. So we had a half an hour conversation with somebody who was from Zappos, some HR person who does this once a week. She gives these webinars. Um, an interaction section. She does these sessions where they explain their thing. And later, I think later on, I think they sort of. Um, uh, I don't know if they stuck around with holacracy, but they stuck with with some kind of flat structure. Uh, but 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 really, in terms of you know organizational innovation and just in, in terms of how they think about people and 
or how he thinks other people rather so this is really unfortunate and he passed away and you know um there's another story i read on twitter of somebody who uh some some company they was it uh, was some other online e-commerce company and they were trying to poach people customer service people from zappos because zappos is supposed to have the best customer service right right and right. Uh, tony she found out about this and what he did is he called people from that company and he said we'll train you for for a few days we can you can hang <laughs> out fantastic. at zappos and like he he really was you know thought differently about these things right and right uh and and it was almost like ironic that it was acquired by amazon right and this is actually why he i think zappos also uh, i think sorry Bezos also acquired Amazon, acquired Zappos because it's such a different philosophy, and he let them be, right? I don't think he ever interfered because right. Amazon is so much about uh, optimization and bring, getting it out to the lowest cost. Right, right. While Zappos is uh, the total opposite; it focuses so much on experience and um, that sort of thing. I, I, Bezos doesn't seem to do stuff like that anymore, right? Like in the 2000s, he did a lot of these interesting. Uh, he also invested in Basecamp because he used to like the founders, like. Right. very outspoken on so no, yeah. 37 signals back then so but that's a separate discussion right. but yeah i think um it's definitely worth reading it'll really open up your mind about uh, business and companies and just people i think when you read so much about companies and success and financials and uh, you know metrics and stuff you you start thinking that, that that's the only way to do things and right. it's always nice to have perspective that it's quite humane in how it looks at You know, people and companies. Do you plan Business. to reread uh, the book, or, or have you already started that? No, no. But after after saying so much, I think I should read it. <laughs> I'm suddenly remembering it. Uh, a lot of I remember there was an incident. I don't know if it's in the book or it was. I read it in an interview later. Basically, basically, like he was talking about how good Zappos' customer service is. Like he, he apparently he was bragging to his friends about it, and they said, "Okay, let's test it out." And right. they called Zappos helpline. Uh, saying we want to book pizza, and that lady, the lady on the other end, actually helped them through an uh, an entire pizza order. Fantastic! Right? Because they they were trained saying that you know we never reject a customer. We always try to help them out, etc. Right. Uh, lots of things like this, right? It's, it's really a fascinating read. And, uh, so, do check it out. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I I uh, it's been on my list for like donkey's years now. uh mm. but i haven't been able to uh, let's say read it and uh, yeah when when the when the incident happened uh, i was thinking about it and that's uh, the the idea is to kind of uh, purchase that book and uh, and uh, uh, read that uh, i i i think you had one idea that was kind of inspired with or inspired <laughs> from zappos as well i think that's some side project mm. that you That you no, no, no. I mean, I mean, it was it wasn't actually inspired by Zappos, but I can see why the connection can be made. No, no, but but uh, but, but, but one one of your uh, let's say, and we will not name that particular individual on this particular podcast, but uh, that that yeah. individual uh, again, a good friend of us, um, uh, he actually tweeted about this uh, on the on the day that uh, the news emerged that uh, that he had uh, he had passed away. So, oh wow! I don't use Twitter anymore. I should I should check this out. I'm, uh, <laughs> Right. I mean, there was some vague connection, but uh, but not. As in, it's the same category. category. It's the same category. Let's let's. It is the same category, but the same category. Yeah, but but around. But I I have been inspired by Zappos for a while. As I as I mentioned that that again, the holocracy thing. I've been reading a lot about Tony Shaver. But I had no uh, idea yeah, that yeah. that you actually spoke to uh, uh, somebody from Zappos, which is which is really cool. Now I think about it. No, no, we we didn't put any effort into that. They had a again, right? Like clearly, Tony Shaver and Zappos being who they are. Right. they set up a week they, they wanted to help other companies transition to this mm-hmm. so they set up a weekly webinar come uh, session where you could log in and then you could ask them questions and stuff so there's one hr person dedicated to doing this so she do this for an hour every week um so we spoke to her and, you know, uh, but, but and, and you know in b school projects being what they are uh, our, our professor was like uh, you should talk to more employees and like this is a company in wherever in the in las vegas nevada right, right? we and, and they're doing some revolutionary new math thinking that you know that subverts every management concept you know can we focus on that rather than you know focusing on the fact that we didn't interview five people but um, <laughs> like it, like i like so, so that that's how i felt about it i was like wow these guys are like tonish is trying this really cool smart thing Mm-hmm. uh why don't we like discuss how interesting that is you know why we but nobody was interested this is what i was a little disappointed i mean yeah yeah check out the roger martin podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it ties up ties in nicely 
But yeah, I, I should mention actually like two things. One is that um, if you're really cynical, if you become a little cynical about business and stuff, it's a great read. Uh, it'll really sort of re-energize you. Right. The other thing is that there is an there is an opposite side to it. So I read that book when I was uh, must have been like twenty or nineteen or twenty or something. Sure. Right. Uh, and um, so he talks a lot about happiness and you know the aim is to be happy all the time and stuff. And and there are side effects to it. Like I read about later on, uh, he used to work on this thing called the downtown project, right? For last week. Right. 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 And, yeah. and I read about you know some cases where a couple of people involved in it committed suicide because they had bought in so much into that happiness ideology that they couldn't take being sad and they got into depression and you know the, that emotional right. resilience wasn't there, which is, so there is another side to it. I mean, um, it's not all hunky dory and you know, obviously the counterpoints, but it's such a, refre- it is a refreshing perspective and I do think people should uh, read it. Right. Um, so yeah, even, even the stories around his death are quite tragic and you know, almost uh, absurd when you read them. So, sure. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's out there, but uh, let's, let's not bring that uh, mm-hmm. up right now. Yeah. I mean, I think Correct. it's, it's out in the it's out in the public anyway. But yeah, yes. Correct. So so my only point is that like do read it. Obviously there are counterpoints to it, and you know it's not um, uh, all done and dusted in hunky dory. But but it does give you like a totally different perspective, which is I think important. It's something that I value. Right. Right. Okay. On that somber note, um, I think uh, our comeback episode has been uh, successfully completed. Thanks a lot. Right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. Hope, hopefully, uh, we can, uh, let's say, uh, uh, as in get, get it moving over the past couple of months just because of some, uh, uh, I don't know, artist block or writer's block, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I think there's some challenge. Obviously, we don't We're prepare. elevating our status here. <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, I think it's, it's uh, you know, we don't prepare that much anyway for, for a particular episode uh, as it's uh, very evident. But, but yeah, uh, let's hope that uh, let, we'll, we'll keep on recording at a much uh, better frequency. Much reliable yeah, frequency. I think we'll get back on our, uh, we'll get back on our streak. Yeah. Uh, take care, everyone, and happy listening. Do let us know your feedback. All right. Thank you.